This is the Negro League Podcast with Preach Jacobs. One, two, one, two, one, two. Microphone check. One, two, one, two, one, two. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Negro League Podcast. I go by the name of Preach Jacobs. Thank you guys for listening. We are sponsored by Mo Better Soul Clothing. Go to mobettersoul.bigcartel.com. Put in code NEGRO to save 10% on your next order. We got some dope shit on there. We have some new hats that are really fucking fly. Camouflage soul joints. We got a few other things on there as well. Please support black business. Once again, mobettersoul.bigcartel.com, enter code NEGRO to save 10%. Thank you guys for coming back. I know this is coming in a little bit late. I usually try to have this shit up by Monday. It might be Tuesday by the time y'all hear this shit, but it's all good. Um, Been a crazy week, man. We had a little hurricane scare, then it turned into a tropical storm scare, then it turned into a rainstorm scare. Uh, It's a lot of shit to do and not do. People are not going to work. So niggas just stay at home watching movies and playing NBA 2K19. You get a chance to kind of catch up on some shows that, I don't know, some shows that you used to like back in the day that you used to love a few years ago, but you watch it again and it seemed kind of corny. I'll get to that in a second. But um, what's been up, man? I don't know what's been going on, man. The fuck? I guess first things first, uh, Eminem had a, <laughs> had a response record to Machine Gun Kelly called Kill Shot. And then, uh, you know, the song was okay, right? It's like... At this point, I don't really give a shit about this records anymore. Like, I love M. M can rap his ass off. Nobody's denying that. Blah, 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 blah. Um, the interesting thing that happened at the end of that was Jay Electronica showed up. <laughs> Jay Electronica showed up. Is at the end of the M song. He made some kind of reference saying something to the extent of, uh, you know, the day that I admit such and such is be the day that Puffy admitted that he put a hit on Tupac. Then Jay Electronica was just like, yo, God. Don't you bring that shit up, God. You violating. And he said some like crazy long five syllable ass word in his Twitter response that everybody's just like, what the fuck is this all about? And then he deleted his uh, Twitter account recently. So today is Monday. I'm recording this. So as of now, he just deleted his whole account. Um, can we just start with with Jay Electronica? And I don't know, man. There's something about the trajectory of his career and where it didn't go that's just heartbreaking. And I think it's our fault. And when I say our fault, I mean like niggas like us, like people that listen to hip hop and J Electronica fans and all that good stuff. Like if you think about it like this, Exhibit A is I think 11 years old. Exhibit C is now 10 years old. And he still ain't got an album out. And when I say I think it's our fault, I think it's our fault in the sense of we put the crown on this man quickly, right? Like we went and we was just like, oh my God, the next biggest thing. Like when he said, J Electronica, fuck that, call me J Elect Hanukkah, J Elect Yamaka, something, something, Razadan, Hadon, Hadalala. Like, like he put the hoe in Hotep. The nigga did that shit early before it was a thing, right? And we just thought that he was just gonna be the next big thing. And I think we ruined him. Right? Like I had these conversations all the time with uh Bobby Blue Bland, which you guys got a chance to hear him last week. It's like I think what happened with Jay Electronica is sort of what I think happened to like Dave Chappelle, right? Where we like to believe the idea that, you know, he's doing this show 
they get a fifty million dollar contract. He get thirty five million. Neil get fifteen million, and then he's just like, you know what? Nah, it's just too much. You know, white people are laughing too much. Let me get the fuck out of here. I don't think it was that. I don't think it was the issue of are they laughing with me or laughing at me. That could have been some of it. Here's what I think happened. I think it's difficult to top greatness, right? It's like you do season one, season one is cool. When you do season two and you got the Rick James shit and you got the print shit, what do you do for an encore after that? And I feel like some people, that shit becomes terrifying, right? Like what do you do after that? Like there's no other way to go but down. So I think that some of that played into it. And I feel the same way about J Electronica. I think that as soon as you do a record like Exhibit C and you put on this pedestal, Every record got to be banging after that. And he tried, right? If you go back to after Exhibit C, he did this record with like Mob Deep. It was like, yeah. He did a record with Jay-Z. He was like, yeah. You know, nothing really stuck. Then he got an Erica Badu pregnant. <laughs> that, that bought him some time. And then he just kind of just disappeared. And I think that um, the greatest thing about Jay-Z is the, the worst thing about Jay-Z. And what I mean by that is, you know, Jay Electronic assigned to Rock Nation. And Jay's approach to all of this shit is like, hey, man, I'm going to let an artist be an artist. So I'm not going to breathe down your neck to tell you to hurry up and put a record out. I'm not going to be like, hey, man, you got it done? <laughs> I need a single. He doesn't give a fuck, which is which can be great and can be terrible. It can be great because it allows artists to take the time they need to make a record. And it's terrible because some niggas need to get, <laughs> need to get that kind of motivation to be pushed, Right. I mean, think about it like this. J. Cole signed to Rock Nation the same time J. Electronica signed. And J. Cole is probably on his fifth studio album. Right? So in that regard, it's kind of a Bo Jackson thing with J. Electronica. Like the greatest thing that could have happened. You know what I mean? I think that we just kind of put too much shit on him. Like I feel really, really bad about that. Right? Not bad enough to not clown him for sounding corny as fuck on that Twitter disc. Because that just, now he's just the old man shaking a fist. And I think that when we're talking about hip hop, man, that's the last thing you want to be, right? Like we talked about this before. It was like, I don't want to be the nigga getting mad at young niggas for being young niggas, right? Hip hop is terrible at that, you know? Like everybody grew up on Gangstar and Wu-Tang. I love it. It's great. Fantastic. But we're, we're supposed to make the music when we're kids that older people don't want to listen to. And officially, we're the old niggas, right? <laughs> like, anytime, yo, nigga, I get up and go for a walk. I got to put a back brace on. I'm officially an old nigga. I'm washed. I'm washed. Mm. Like, I had a friend that hit me up the other day. And he was like, yo, man, let's go get some drinks. Let's hang out, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, damn, yo, it's a Saturday night. I can get some drinks. It's 930. You know what I did? I stayed home. And I watch a murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> drunk wine. What the fuck am I becoming? Nigga, I drunk wine. So let's get back to this uh this disc record, right? This uh this Eminem record. I've been thinking about this since the kamikaze album came out, right? And it's something about hip hop culture that I've been wanting to discuss for a while. When M got kind of like beat up because of the revival record, which I didn't like the album, right? And and that was kind of where the beef with Joe Button and M kind of came from with like Joe just kind of really fucking going on pretty hard. Um, I'll get to that in a second too. But like what happened with revival and now Kamikaze, because like Kamikaze was kind of his response to everybody fucking hating the record. 
So it's like Eminem's back and he's rapping and he's like dissing motherfuckers and yay. And even though it's like the only diss track came back is from another white guy that we don't give a shit. But it's kind of cool to hear M back doing the stuff that we love him to do. M made one mistake. He got old. That's it. Like hip hop culture eats his young. Not saying you can't get older in the culture, but there has to be a transition. Like look at all the the contemporaries with M, like all his colleagues. Like you look at somebody like Jay, you look at you look at Dre, you look at a lot of these people that's been in the game for a while, the Scarfaces of the game, whatever. There's this gradual movement towards other things, right? So like not only was Jay doing music, he's producing movies, he's doing TV shows, you know, you got even Nas doing documentaries and stuff like that. People getting into other forms of business. Dre decided to get into the earphones game. What does M do? He's a rapper. That's it. M has never gone off of that path. M, M has never gone and said he wants to do anything else other than rap. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there's an other end of that spectrum where M, in order to be the person that he is, he has to exclude himself from everything. Right? Like you got, he's like, he's in a dungeon somewhere writing. And sometimes you can't keep the pulse on everything with hip hop culture if you're away with everything. The only time that works is if you don't give a fuck what anybody else is doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, like women look towards Beyonce to show them the movement. <laughs> like, you know, Beyonce shows you the way. Beyonce's not looking at anybody else to figure out what kind of song she needs to make. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's very rare that people are able to do that. But I think that. Hip hop has grown up. It's like the contemporary, the the classic rock of hip hop, right? Like like rock and roll got to a point where after a certain amount of time, you can have an entire station with rock music from a certain period of time. Hip hop is that shit now. You can have a whole fucking radio station of music from like the nineties to the early two thousands, and that'd be your whole rotation because that's what's going on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like like Lauren Hill's album is twenty years old now. We just had the anniversary of ATLings with Outcasts. It's 22 years old now. I mean, hell, if we think about it, if we're honest about it, the Slim Shady LP, the first album, is almost 20 years old. It came out in 1998, 99. It's almost 20 fucking years old. Like, we have to, as, as a culture, have to realize, like, all right, you know, maybe when a <laughs> maybe when a kid that's making music now wasn't even born the first time you put a fucking record out, maybe it's not that bad that we don't understand what they're saying they're talking about, you know? But I think that's cool. I think that's fine. I think that hip-hop has to kind of have this, this place where there's niggas that's becoming like us in their 30s, you know, having kids, having families. Like, yo, like, it shouldn't sound the same. Like, we shouldn't be listening to Lil Pump because he's not making music for us. The only time it gets corny, like we talked about last week, is when somebody older is trying to go back and sound like them, you know? So, I don't know. I, I think the Machine Gun Kelly, this was cool. It's just, it was just, is this a record? It was just, yeah, it's a record. Now, I had this conversation the other day about the Joe Button aspect of it, where Joe still hasn't come out and said anything, which I'm interested in hearing what he says this, this week when the podcast come out. But it's like, here's my thing with Joe. Because M went into a couple of interviews and he talked about how he didn't understand why Joe started dissing him and started going in pretty heavy or whatever. And I can understand how that can be kind of frustrating. And here's the way I think about it. Joe was frustrated over Slaughterhouse, right? Like he was frustrated that M wasn't doing what he wanted to do with the records or, or pushing Slaughterhouse the way they needed to go. 
which I hope that doesn't happen with the Griselda dudes, right? The, the, the Conway and, and West Side Gun. Like, I hope, you know, that they get out of this well. But, like, they have enough push and grime and grit that they can make that shit work, right? Here's where I think I agree with M in this stuff, right? Is that if M had pushed Slaughterhouse to the point where they put a record out, they were doing well, and everybody was happy, right? And M still puts out Revival, I don't think Joe would say shit about it. I don't think Joe would go diss the record publicly. And that's the beef. Like, if Joe would still act the same way that he would act now as if Slaughterhouse was doing well, then that can be said as, oh, he's just being himself. But I don't think he would have done that. I think that somebody like M, it gets even more frustrating when he's just like, yo, nigga. Like, he didn't say nigga. Like, let's, let's be clear. M didn't say it. <laughs> but in my, in my brain, like, it would be like, yo, like, I'm supposed to be pushing this group, and not only are you talking shit about the group, you're dissing me. So I can understand it from that perspective. Um, other than that, I don't think they ever put in the record out. I don't think Slaughterhouse put in the record out. And I think that, let's be honest, if Joe, if Joe was happy with Slaughterhouse, he wouldn't have his podcast. So I think everything kind of worked out. I doubt there's going to be a diss record that come out of them. Um, I don't know. I like... I like like peace better than beef. I don't, I don't mean to sound old and washed, but it's like I think more people can make money now on on peace than beef, right? Speaking of beefs, I didn't I didn't watch this whole interview because some of that shit was like just really uncomfortable. But um, <laughs> motherfucking Cat Williams was on the motherfucking radio, and he was going at everybody. Like he was, he did say a couple of things that that I could understand and I agree with, right? He was talking about the Monique situation where he said that like everybody got mad at Monique. Or, or got mad at Netflix. And he articulated it pretty easily, pretty well. He basically said that Netflix offers money based on your ticket sales from your last tour. So he said Monique had 316,000 ticket sales on last tour. Hence the half a million price. So Cat Williams said his last tour, he sold about two and a half million tickets. Hence, that's what he made. In that regard, it makes sense, right? So that makes sense. And and I think tonight, yeah, shit, come on tonight. Cat Williams, <laughs> Cat Williams won a fucking Emmy <laughs> for his uh for his role in uh in Atlanta. So I think that was really dope. I think that was very fitting. Um I was a little disappointed that he was on just one episode, but I think he's really dope when he's put in that pocket where he can kind of do what he what he does. I think he's an extremely talented guy. Um then he started going at a bunch of other motherfuckers. Like he started going at uh uh, Tiffany, Tiffany Haddish. Um, what did he say? He said something about. He said something about like you know. She's only famous because she wants to fuck white guys. Um, now, one thing that he did say that I kind of agree with is that he basically said that she hasn't done any stand up stuff. I ha- I don't think I've heard any jokes from her. I think I think in another way though, I'll be honest with you, I can't get mad at her for that because like I've never heard her call herself a stand-up comedian. I just think she's just a somebody that's just naturally funny that kind of, like, glowed up. Like, based on hearing all the shit that she's talked about, like, in one of her, like, I don't know, maybe two years old now, her Breakfast Club uh, Breakfast Club interview, where she talked about all this shit she done went through, man, like, you know, adoption and, and just dealing with, like, a terrible marriage, all this stuff. Man, she went through so much shit that if something good is happening, I'm, I'm proud of her. Um, I'm kind of sick of her now. <laughs> kind of the same way I was sick of like Kevin Hart, but I think that's a different story. I think that um, 
you know, this, let's be honest, man. Being being like an actor, like like funny shit, not like a thespian, not like a classically trained Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. Like it, like Leonardo DiCaprio and Denzel can act for the rest of their lives, right? But if you're an action movie star and a comic star, you got a window, right? Like The Rock is doing movies now, and I'm sick of him. I'm fucking sick of The Rock. I see him in every fucking thing. But his window is right now because, nigga, you can't be 80 jumping off of buildings. And, like, I say that, and, like, some Stallone is doing it technically, right? <laughs> right? But, but I understand the idea of, like, if we have this short period of time, we really, really have to kind of just max this out. And I think that's what Kevin Hart is doing. I think that's what Tiffany Haddish is doing because it's at some point in time, the funny motherfuckers have a short span, right? Like, we look at Eddie. I want to touch on Eddie in a second because I was listening to something about Eddie I thought was really interesting. But it's like, you know, so from that perspective, like, I get irritated about the oversaturation, but I understand the oversaturation. Um, I was less irritated about the Tiffany shit that, that Kat was saying. I was more irritated about Gerard Carmichael, man. He's, he's fucking funny, man. I like, I like Gerard. Now, the funny thing that Kat said in the interview, he was just like, look at what Hollywood is doing to these motherfuckers. They putting Little Rail out there. <laughs> what are you talking about? He was just like, he was like, they put Gerard Carmichael and Rail out there because white people don't think that they're a threat because none of they bitches want to fuck them. Yeah, right? Which I thought was funny because... I ain't never heard a bitch say, you know what? I really want to fuck Cat Williams. Right? <laughs> right? Like, so, like, from that perspective, if you try to say that, like, they're getting put out there because, you know, they're not, like, sex symbols and stuff like that. Let's be honest, man. With the exception of, like, Eddie Murphy. Like, Eddie Murphy was a sex symbol. Like, like when Raw came out and Delirious came out, like, it's really rare that you see, like, people that women are like, oh, my gosh. And they're funny. And I say that to say this. Comedy is designed for ugly people <laughs> right there's nothing funny about being beautiful there's nothing funny about having a six-pack there's nothing funny about having a silver spoon in your mouth you know what's funny going bald you know what's funny a divorce you know what's funny <laughs> your kids hating you like like that's why cat williams is so funny look at all the shit he's been going through you know what i'm saying like like getting arrested getting beat up going to, that's funny <laughs> success isn't funny. <laughs> that's why, like, when, when motherfuckers get successful, that's when, like, their their work kind of dies a little bit. Like, they're not as funny. Or or everybody's like, oh, I love Nas' first album. But the nigga was hungry. Like, shit, nigga, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you, if you like, yo, either I do this or I sell drugs, or either I do this, I'll die. Like, there's some great creative juices that come out of that shit. There's nothing funny about success that's why like when some people are really really successful and they can continue to be dope those are very very rare people right and then saying that man let's let's take a second to kind of like show love to eddie murphy like i was listening to something the other day and i don't think we understand how great eddie murphy was right like, I mean, think about this, and I told you this before, like, the brilliance of coming to America with Eddie playing Akeem was that Akeem was the straight guy. I'm not talking about gay and straight. I'm talking about straight and as far as, like, the joke was on him. Like, he was supposed to be this non-funny guy. Like, like he was supposed to play it. He was playing it straight. You know how difficult it is to kind of just play it straight and still be hilarious? Like, just play a regular-ass dude and be hilarious? Like, let's think about, like, the revolution 
of film that Eddie brought to the to the table. When you look at Beverly Hills Cop, he was a regular-ass black dude who was an action star. Regular-ass cat. Funny, witty, dope. And he had a great run. We got, what, Trading Places, 48 Hours, another 40 Hours, three Beverly Hills Cops, uh, 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 Coming to America. Fuck, what was after that? Harlem Nights. I don't think Eddie gets enough credit for being as dope as he is. And then all of a sudden he, <laughs> thank you, thank you, uh, Miss Bull, in the back. Um, Shrek is kind of a way he kind of like <laughs> restarted his career. I also think like in the 90s, Nutty Professor was like one of those things like in the 90s where it's like he disappeared for a while and then he came back out. How he's able to reinvent himself. So like Eddie was, uh, his new shit is he's going to do the, Dola, the, blah, 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 the Dolomite movie. He's playing Rudy Ray Moore. Um, and everybody's in that motherfucker. You got Wesley Snipes in that bitch. You got, um, was it Michael Keegan is in it? Uh, Omar Epps. Like all the black comedians you can imagine, with the exception of like probably Kevin Hart. <laughs> He's doing like Think Like a Man 30. <laughs> He's the only nigga that's not in there. But like, it looks like it's going to be uh, pretty fucking incredible. But like, Eddie. Eddie's been that dude for a long time. And I say, like, when I talk about Eddie and I think about somebody like Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart is a naturally funny dude. I'm just, you know, his last uh, comedy special, I didn't like it. And it's not me dissing him, but it's kind of like what I'm saying before. Like, he had these jokes about, um, I got a big fucking house. And the driveway is so far away that I'm scared to take the trash out by myself. He had a whole bit about being afraid to take the trash out. Because his wall, his driveway is so huge. Like, there's a fucking disconnect. That's not funny. <laughs> right? Not saying that, like, rich niggas can't be funny. You know what I mean? But it's like, it's like we were saying in the last podcast, right? There's very few people, and I think I throw Dave Chappelle in this, too, where you look at somebody like an Oprah, and Oprah is a billionaire, but she hangs with people, and people feel like they're just like her, or she's just like them. Like, that's a skill. Like Dave Chappelle did his last comedy, but this nigga's got $20 million, <laughs> right? And he's just talking to you about regular people's shit. Like, I think that's a skill, right? And so, like, when I look at somebody like Kevin Hart, like, I'm proud of him. I'm happy what he's doing. Black man, get your money. Um, but I want to see a coming to America from Kevin Hart. And what I mean by that is I want Kevin to play the straight guy, where a lot of times he's put in these movie roles where he has to be just loud and throwing his arms up and and... <laughs> yeah you, you, you hear the peanut factory i didn't call him a coon but like it's always a sensitive thing when we talk about like black comedians and 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 being slapstick it's like you know we're in the, we're in the trust tree so i have a little conversation with y'all so it's like about a year or so ago i'm going through depression and all this type of stuff you know what i mean like i'm like oh fuck the world fuck my life you know, being all light-skinned, hating everything. And so I made a list of stuff that I wanted to do, right? I'm like, I want to make a list of, like, five things that terrify me. Five things that scares the shit out of me that I just want to try. Because, like, I, I feel like I need to kind of be self-motivated. One of the things on the list was I want to jump out of an airplane, which I still haven't done that yet. Um, one of the things was I want to write a TV pilot, which I wrote. Um, another thing was I wanted to audition for a play. I want to be on stage. I want to try it out. So we have a we have a local theater here, and I don't want to talk too much shit because I'm on the board now. But <laughs> I get in this play, and it's like a holiday play. And one of the characters that I'm supposed to be playing, the point of the play was like it's like this this mall that was going downhill, and there's this guy who used to work at 
quote unquote TGI Freddy's instead of TGI Fridays. And the guy basically has been in the mall so long that the, that the restaurant closed, but he doesn't know it's closed, right? And so he just goes around places and just talking to people like the restaurant is still open. And there's this part in the script where he's just like, oh, my name is Freddie. Welcome to TGI Freddy's. You know, I, this isn't the voice they told me to say. This is kind of how I read the script. Like, I'm thinking it's like Isaac from the Love, Love Boat or something. And it's just like, you know, we have this down-home southern uh, meal, blah, 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 blah. And it's finger-licking good. And I'm like, mmm, mmm. And I had a white friend that I had to read the script. I'm like, hey, white friend. He's like, yes. I was like, read the script, white friend. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that sounds kind of racist. I'm like, I know, right? So Warren gets back to one of the guys at the theater, and he hits me up. And he's just like, did we do something racist? Did we fuck something up? Do we need to talk? Like, you know. And this is how I explain it to him. I've never acted a day in my life. So my first time on stage as a black dude saying some chicken is finger licking good. That's a red flag, right? But I'm not going to say it's racist, right? So I don't think it's racist because I don't think the part was written for a black guy, you know? What I what I did say was I think that race was a blind spot, right? Where we talk about white privilege and shit like that. White privilege doesn't always have to be about white people can tell a cop fuck you and still make it home, which that happens all the time. But white privilege can be something as simple as comedy. And what I mean by that is if you look at Seinfeld, and Kramer's like the slapstick guy, you know, he's always trying to scheme and he's busting in the door. He's falling on shit and stuff like that. He can be a white comedian, do that shit. And we laugh our asses off. A black comedian can't do that without there being an association with step and fetch it. You see what I'm saying? So it's not saying that it's racist, but it's like there's a racial undertone that when somebody black is doing that shit, it's always felt differently. And to be honest with you, I feel that way about black slapstick comedy. It's always on the verge of ha 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 and coon. (laughs) Songs in the key of coon. You know what I mean? And so sometimes like when I look at Kevin, I don't, I don't want to call him a coon on this shit, but I do feel that it comes from a situation where you're dealing with a movie. Like, you ever try to watch a thing like a man movies? They're awful. They're terrible. They're silly. Um, and they just basically like, okay, we just need to like put the camera on them and just save us, right? We got a shitty script. Outperform the script, you know? And he's just big. He's just like loud. He's just all this, oh, my voice getting high. No, no, no. You know, it's like, all right, man. So... I want to see him do a Beverly Hills Cop. I want to see him do like a chill out role. You know, the last person I saw do a role that was as close to being a straight man and it was really funny was when Chris Rock did Top 5. And Chris Rock was terrible in movies. Like, it sucks that the movie that he's most known for, he was playing a crackhead, right? <laughs> like, Chris Rock, Chris Rock in movies and go, and he would tell you that. Like, he just wasn't good in fucking movies. Like, his stand-up didn't translate well to acting, you know? So... When you look at top five, he just toned it down. He just played a regular ass dude in a funny situation. And I think that if your comedy is that strong, do that shit. And, and ironically enough, it was the best I've ever seen Kevin Hart in the movie. Like he played like Chris Rock's agent in the movie. And he just chilled the fuck out. You know why? Because when you're in a movie with like Cedric the Entertainer, JB Smooth, Chris Rock, and all these other funny motherfuckers, you really don't have to overdo it. Just chill the fuck out. And that's what I think. I think I think it's less about um the people being oversaturated and just not being enough really great scripts. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. It's like a lot of shows and a lot of, a lot of stuff that's like, I get really irritated about like for an example, right? So I'm in, you know, watching insecure and 
Spoiler alert. <laughs> Lawrence is back. Oh, my God. Which they really fooled the fuck out of us. Because, like, River Lawrence, or whoever the actor's name is, he was like, oh, they, they done shooting. They asked me to shoot no episodes. You know? <laughs> that nigga lied his ass off. But anyways, I thought it was cool uh, to see Lawrence come back. Blah, 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 blah. And he was fucking high five to him. But um, it's cool to see a show like Insecure where you got, like, it's just dope black shit. Like, like I said, like the show isn't very deep or anything like that. It's just cool to see dope black shit, you know? And then, like, HBO does The Deuce, which I kind of don't care for it, right? Because I'm kind of like, yo, with all this great black writing, with all these great black strong characters from Atlanta, from uh, uh, Master of None, from The Shy, from Insecure, to see all this great shit that we have, like, you know, Black Panther, we have Get Out, like, just really great black writing and directing Queen Sugar, I really don't care to see another show about black pimps in the 1970s. Like, I feel like it's really tone deaf right now. Like, I, I just have no interest in it. You know what I'm saying? And that's not to say that the show probably isn't well written. I watched a few episodes. It's just I just have no no energy for it. You know what I'm saying? Because that's just not the type of shit I want to see, you know? So, I, I don't know. I, I feel like we get more sophisticated, right? Like, we just kind of just doze off certain shows, like... Two shows that I just stop watching in the middle of them. It's like <laughs> these two shows, I just stop. It's, it's sort of like <laughs> it's like jerking off, and it's like you know what? I'm tired. You just stop before you finish. I did that with The Walking Dead. I just stopped. I don't give a shit. I just stopped, and I did that with Power. <laughs> right? I'm just so sick of Power, even though like everybody keeps me up abreast with, with what's going on with Power. Have you finished Power? Are you up to date on Power? Yeah. So I can say what happened. Okay, so. Uh, so, Power is another situation where I don't even have to watch the show and it irritates the fuck out of me. Where right? like the the season the season finale, like Angela gets shot, but you know she's coming back. Like, all right, all right, I'm getting mad right now. So, like, all right, all right. Number one, if we're talking about Power, here's one of the things that pissed me the fuck off about Power. Like, honestly, the first season, first couple of seasons, I loved it because it's like some of it was kind of cheesy, but it was our cheesy, right? It was our shit. It was like a hip hop culture show, and it was like black people doing some cool shit, whatever, 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 right? And then la la show the titties, you know. And so it got to the point where it was just like, all right, it's cool. Then you got the first episode: ghost shoots a nigga in the head, bang, kills a nigga, right? And they're like, whatever season that he's fighting Canaan, and they in this fireplace and whatever fireplace, right? It wasn't in a fireplace fighting in somebody's home, but like there was this place that's caught on fire. And like Canaan, Canaan just gets stabbed, like in his chest, and Ghost walks out, and Canaan gets out, and he's like here for another two seasons. And I thought that was just lazy writing. It's like, man, trust your writing that you can kill this nigga off and keep the show moving. If there's anything that you could say about Game of Thrones, I remember I never read the books. I remember reading that. I remember uh, seeing that first season when they chopped Ned Stark's head off. The main character, the first fucking season, bang! I'm like, oh, wait a minute, what? <laughs> right? How do you do that? How do you chop off the main character's head the first fucking season? It's like crazy. So it's like it's dope in a way that you like, yo, I trust my writing so much that I can do this, and I know that I have faith in the writing. And so this season, they finally got rid of Kanan. They finally got rid of, uh, well, they didn't get rid of her. They shot Angela. And it's like, same thing. She's going to survive. I killed a bitch. Trust your writing. Like, just revamp the show. Take them out. 
And, and, and now that I stopped watching it, so when I see like previews and see uh, Tommy talking, it irritates me now. It feels kind of racisty, not racist, but racisty. You know what I mean? Like diet racist. It's like I feel like he auditioned for the role, but he really didn't want to do the show, so he tried to do his like blackest impersonation. Hey, yo, ghost, you know. And then the, the director's like, oh, my goodness, I love it. <laughs> and he kind of had to keep it up. And so, like, when you don't watch the show for a while and then you watch Tommy do the Tommy shit, it feels weird. Like, this weird caricature. You know what it is, too? It feels weird because it's like, looking at Ghost and Tommy, these niggas don't look like they would be friends. Like, there's nothing with them that that seems like it's chemistry. It's sort of like how I feel about Drake and Lil Wayne. <laughs> right it's like i know young money signed drake and it's like but but really does it look like drake would hang out with wayne i mean they probably do but it looks weird right you see like birdman and drake going out to dinner it looks look it looks weird it don't make sense so that's how i feel about power i, I left power alone i fucking left walking dead alone i left the deuce alone um yeah i think that's all the new shit that's coming out i was gonna see White Boy Rick before I did the podcast, but I've been reading some terrible reviews on it. So who knows? I might watch it. Fuck it. Um, I don't want to see them glorify some white boy infiltrating black shit, and they're going to whitewash this whole thing and make him seem like this hero, and all these niggas was dumb. I don't know. I know that's coming, though. So I guess get ready for the White Boy Rick review next week. And it's been about 30 minutes. I'm going to shut the fuck up. Um, that's it. We survived the hurricane. I didn't even talk about the hurricane shit I was going to do. This whole thing's going to be like hurricane snacks and at a DJ wedding in the middle of a fucking hurricane and all that cool stuff. I say cool lightly because it wasn't cool. But um, but yeah, I'm good, man. I'm glad the sun is out, even though it's hot as fuck over here. There's only so much porn you can watch when you're tied up in your house. So I'm glad stuff is kind of back to normal. Um, and that's it, niggers. Once again, this is the Negro League Podcast. If you want to save 10% on your next order at mobettersold.bigcartel.com, type in code NEGRO to save. And uh, that's it. Follow me on Instagram and all that good stuff at Preach Jacobs. Blah, 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 blah. And we'll talk to you soon. Peace.